Chapter Seven, Part Two of the Many-Sided Franklin by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Seven: Relations with the Fair Sex, Part Two. One element of discord there was for which Mrs. Franklin can hardly be blamed. Although she allowed her husband to bring his illegitimate son into their home and helped to rear him, she conceived so strong a dislike for him that on one occasion she termed him the greatest villain on earth, and expressed her feeling, so an eyewitness reports, with invectives in the foulest terms I ever heard from a gentlewoman this led presently when the son was old enough to his father arranging for him to live elsewhere in time the relations became more friendly mrs franklin went to visit william and the father was able to write to his wife i am very glad you go sometimes to burlington the harmony in our family and among our children gives me great pleasure so too his son told him that he and his wife were on a visit to my mother and his letters to her were subscribed your ever-dutiful son. When she died, he followed the body as chief mourner, and that this was not a mere form was shown by his letter to his father, in which he speaks of her tenderly as my poor old mother. Franklin has been criticized for leaving his wife in America during his two long agencies in Great Britain. But if blame there is, Mrs. Franklin should bear it, her dread of the passage being the real bar in his first visit to london his friend william strahan quote, was very urgent with me to stay in england and prevail with you to remove hither with sally he proposed several advantageous schemes to me which appeared reasonably founded i gave him however two reasons why i could not think of removing hither one my affection to pennsylvania and long-established friendships and other connections there the other your invincible aversion to crossing the seas strahan was not discouraged but wrote to mrs franklin himself urging that the removal would open up a far greater career to her husband for my own part he went on i never saw a man who was in every respect so perfectly agreeable to me some are amiable in one view some in another he in all now madam as i know the ladies here consider him in exactly the same light i do upon my word i think you should come over with all convenient speed to look after your interest not but that i think him as faithful to his joan as any man breathing but who knows what repeated and strong temptation may in time and while he is at so great a distance from you accomplish i know you will object to the length of the voyage and the danger of the seas but truly this is more terrible in apprehension than in reality of all the ways of travelling it is the easiest and most expeditious and as for the danger there has not a soul been lost between philadelphia and this in my memory and i believe not one ship taken by the enemy but mrs franklin was not to be induced and her spouse understood this so well that he told her that strahan quote, offered to lay me a considerable wager that a letter he has wrote to you will bring you immediately over hither but i tell him i will not pick his pocket for i am sure there is no inducement strong enough to prevail with you to cross the seas End quote. after his second visit to england he assured his friend that nothing would prevent his return Quote, if I can, as I hope I can, prevail with Mrs. F. to accompany me. 
End quote. It is perhaps fortunate that this dread on his wife's part existed, not merely because it anchored Franklin to American soil, but also because Mrs. Franklin would have been more of a drag on her husband's public and social life in Great Britain than she was in Philadelphia, and would have but furnished one more example of the American diplomat united to a helpmeet wholly unfit for the duties of the station. Her pet name for her husband, Pappy, was so universally known that it was a favorite political joke of his antagonists. As her spelling bespoke, she was a woman wholly lacking in cultivation, and still worse, an eyewitness speaks of her turbulent temper. Even in Philadelphia she was not received socially, and this seems to have made her jealous of Franklin's public career, one instance of which is related by a Mr. Fisher, who had appealed to Franklin for aid. Quote, As I was coming down from my chamber this afternoon, a gentlewoman was sitting on one of the lowest stairs, which were but narrow, and there not being room enough to pass, she arose up and threw herself upon the floor and sat there. Mr. Schumine and his wife greatly entreated her to arise and take a chair, but in vain she would keep her seat, and kept it, I think, the longer for their entreaty. This gentlewoman, whom, though I had seen before, I did not know, appeared to be Mrs. Franklin. She assumed the airs of extraordinary freedom and great humility, lamented heavily the misfortunes of those who are unhappily infected with a too tender or benevolent disposition, said she believed all the world claimed a privilege of troubling her pappy, so she usually calls Mr. Franklin, with their calamities and distress, giving us a general history of many such wretches and their impertinent applications to him. Mr. Franklin's moral character is good, and he and Mrs. Franklin live irreproachably as man and wife. Yet none of these defects seems really to have troubled Franklin. You can bear with your own faults, and why not a fault in your wife? he asked on one occasion, and he seems himself to have taken his own advice. Two, keep your eyes wide open before marriage, half shut afterwards. Some years after his marriage, he wrote a song which gives a pleasant glimpse of his feelings for his wife. Quote, My Plain Country Joan, a song. Of their Chloe's and Phyllises, poets may prate, I sing my plain country Joan. These twelve years my wife, still the joy of my life, blessed day that I made her my own. Not a word of her face, of her shape, of her air, or of flames or of darts you shall hear. I beauty admire, but virtue I prize, that fades not in seventy year. Some faults have we all, and so has my Joan, but then they're exceedingly small. And now I'm grown used to them, so like my own, I scarcely can see them at all. Were the finest young princess, with millions in purse, to be had in exchange for my Joan, I could not get better wife, might get a worse, so I'll stick to my dearest old Joan. To a girl he wrote in the same vein, quote, Mrs. Franklin was very proud that a young lady should have so much regard for her old husband as to send him such a present. We talk of you every time it comes to table. She is sure you are a sensible girl and a notable housewife, and talks of bequeathing me to you as a legacy. But I ought to wish you a better, and hope she will live these hundred years, for we are grown old together, and if she has any faults, I am so used to them that I don't perceive them. End quote. 
after franklin's departure from philadelphia on his second agency to england his wife had a paralytic stroke which greatly affected her memory and understanding so that william franklin advised that she have some clever body to take care of her for she becomes every day more and more unfit to be left alone and as already noted franklin arranged that his daughter and her husband should live with her in the letter announcing her death his son gives a pathetic glimpse of her last months. She told me when I took leave of her on my removal to Amboy that she never expected to see you unless you returned this winter, but that she was sure she should not live till next summer. I heartily wish you had happened to have come over in the fall, as I think her disappointment in that respect preyed a good deal on her spirits." End quote there are three faithful friends an old wife an old dog and ready money said poor richard and he declared that a good wife lost is god's gift lost the young girl to whom deborah franklin bequeathed her husband was catherine ray whose acquaintance he made in one of his visits to new england and with whom a regular correspondence was henceforth maintained nor was this merely a compliment paid by the philosopher for it gave him genuine pleasure begone business for an hour at least and let me chat a little with my katie he began one of his letters and then continued now it is near four months since i have been favored with a single line from you but i will not be angry with you because it is my fault i ran in debt to you three or four letters and as i did not pay you would not trust me any more and you had some reason but believe me i am honest and though i should never make equal returns you shall see i will keep fair accounts equal returns i can never make though i should write to you by every post for the pleasure i receive from one of yours is more than you can have from two of mine the small news the domestic occurrences among our friends the natural pictures you draw of persons the sensible observations and reflections you make and the easy chatty manner in which you express everything all contribute to heighten the pleasure and the more as they remind me of those hours and miles that we talked away so agreeably even in a winter journey a wrong road and a soaking shower in time miss ray married william green of rhode island who later was governor of the state and in franklin's journey to new england in seventeen sixty three he visited the couple at their home in warwick you have spun a long thread five thousand and twenty-two yards he once told her it will reach almost from rhode island hither i wish i had hold of one end of it to pull you to me but you would break it rather than come even in the years in paris so full of work and diversion he found time to think of her writing on one occasion my dear old friend don't be offended at the word old i don't mean to call you an old woman it relates only to the age of our friendship which on my part has always been a sincerely affectionate one and i flatter myself the same on yours friendships of the same type were those of the daughters of jonathan shipley the bishop of st asaph georgiana being the favorite on the outbreak of the revolution the intercourse was for a time suspended but as soon as franklin was settled in paris he found means to steal a letter to her which met with the most eager of responses Quote, 
after near two years had passed without my hearing anything from you she replied and while i looked upon the renewal of our correspondence as a very unlikely event it is easier to conceive than express the joy i felt at receiving your last kind letter how good you were to send me your direction but i fear i must not make use of it as often as i could wish since my father says that it will be prudent not to write in the present situation of affairs i am not of an age to be so very prudent and the only thought that occurred to me was your suspecting that my silence proceeded from other motives i could not support the idea of you believing that i love and esteem you less than i did some few years ago i therefore write this once without my father's knowledge you are the first man that ever received a private letter from me and in this instance i feel that my intentions justify my conduct but i must entreat that you will take no notice of my writing when next i have the happiness of hearing from you i must once more repeat nobody knows of this scroll a word to the wise as poor richard says franklin grieved that the war should prevent their seeing each other and begged that since he was denied the enjoyment of that felicity to quote, let me have at least that of hearing from you a little oftener end quote. and he complained that it is long very long my dear friend since i had the great pleasure of hearing from you and receiving any of your pleasing letters end quote. this was due georgiana informed him to the great difficulty in conveying my letters safe yet despite parents and british frigates she succeeded in sending him an occasional missive in one of which the girl asserted did my family know of my writing my letter would scarce contain the very many things they would desire me to say for them they continue to admire and love you as much as they did formerly nor can any time or event in the least change their sentiments strange she exclaimed that i should be under the necessity of concealing from the world a correspondence which it is the pride and glory of my heart to maintain still another young girl friendship was that with mary stevenson with whose mother franklin lodged during his many years in london as already recorded he endeavored to bring about a match between her and his son and though the attempt failed he styled her my dearest child asking why should i not call you so since i love you with all the tenderness of a father merely to afford her a few hours of pleasure he wrote his charming craven street gazette a jacuse court circular intended to inform the girl who was styled her majesty of the doings of the household while she was away on a visit and from this one excerpt is worth making as it concerns a woman Quote, dr fatsides made four hundred and sixty-nine turns in his dining-room as the exact distance of a visit to the lovely lady barwell whom he did not find at home so there was no struggle for and against a kiss and he sat down to dream in the easy-chair that he had it without any trouble in graver vein he wrote miss stevenson long letters in which she was treated with absolute intellectual equality yet right as he would of scientific subjects as was inevitable the little sense of sex was present for he ended one quote, after writing six folio pages of philosophy to a young girl is it necessary to finish such a letter with a compliment is not such a letter of itself a compliment End quote. 
miss stevenson in time married dr hewson but this brought no change in the friendship and in seventeen eighty two franklin noted that quote, in looking forward twenty-five years seem a long period but in looking back how short could you imagine that it is now full a quarter of a century since we were first acquainted it was in seventeen fifty seven during the greatest part of the time i lived in the same house with my dear deceased friend your mother of course you and i conversed with each other much and often it is to all our honours that in all that time we never had among us the smallest misunderstanding our friendship has been all clear sunshine without the least cloud in its hemisphere let me conclude by saying to you what i have had too frequent occasions to say to my other remaining old friends the fewer we become the more let us love one another after the peace was concluded with england miss hewson and her children at franklin's urging came to france and stayed several months with him at passy as his guests and after their departure he complained quote, i have found it very triste breakfasting alone and sitting alone and without any tea in the evening again at his urging they removed to philadelphia and mrs hewson was much with him in the last years of his life and even in his final sickness and death which she described in a long letter to an english friend speaking of him as that venerable kind friend whose knowledge enlightened our minds and whose philanthropy warmed our hearts in france social custom prevented the same intimacy with young girls and so his feminine friendships in that country were of a very different type i now and then hear of your life and glorious achievements in the political way his sister informed him as well as in the favor of the ladies since you have rubbed off the mechanic rust and commenced complete courtier who jonathan williams writes me claim from you the tribute of an embrace and it seems you do not complain of the tax as a very great penance the account you have had of the vogue i am in here has some truth in it franklin answered perhaps few strangers in france have had the good fortune to be so universally popular but the story you allude to mentioning mechanic rust is totally without foundation but one is not to expect being always in fashion i hope however to preserve while i stay the regard you mention of the french ladies for their society and conversation when i have time to enjoy them are extremely agreeable and he gives us another glimpse of this favor by jokingly writing to an english woman you are too early hussy as well as too saucy in calling me rebel you should wait for the event which will determine whether it is rebellion or only a revolution here the ladies are more civil they call us les insurgents a character that usually pleases them and methinks all other women who smart or have smarted under the tyranny of a bad husband ought to be fixed in revolution principles and act accordingly one of the most admiring of these french ladies was the countess de houdetot better known to history through the confessions of jean jacques rousseau her salon was one of the most famous of paris and when his health permitted franklin was a fairly regular attendant in addition he visited her at least twice in her country home at saint the first visit being made the occasion of a fete of which a description has been preserved 
upon his arrival he was handed from his carriage by the countess and welcomed with a verse of her own composition beginning quote, homme du eros et du sage end quote. at dinner with each glass of wine other verses in his honor were recited or sung by each of the guests and the meal being over the company went to the garden where franklin at the request of his hostess planted a virginia locust tree and the countess repeated another verse of her own writing which was afterward cut in a marble pillar that was placed near the tree when the hour of departure came franklin was reconducted by the whole company to his carriage and before the door was shut the countess pronounced the following complimentary verse composed by herself législature d'un monde est bien fêture des deux l'homme dans tous les temps te devra ses hommages et je m'acquitte dans ces lieux de la dette de tous les âges after his return to america she begged my dear doctor to think of me sometimes of saint roi the revered tree planted by your hands and which grows on the spot of soil which belongs to me where it is so sweet to me to think of you and to render homage to your virtues and enlightenment and whatsoever makes you respected by and dear to humanity this is as you know my kind of religion and you are one of my saints for herself she declared that quote, i preserve the memory of those moments you have so kindly passed there and with a tender interest i cultivate the memorial you have left there of your transit End quote. End of chapter seven part two